Hello, everybody. Back with Lieutenant Brian Curtis of the 404 PD podcast. So last month, we talked with Lane Thompson, who was our first guest. This month, we have two new guests and one that I'm really excited to talk about. We're going to be talking about re-entry. And with me here today is Ashley Ferguson, who is the re-entry coordinator with Cumberland County and also has some lived experiences. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, thank you. I'm so glad you guys are here. And then we have Kurt Danish, who is the executive director with Tomorrow's Neighbors and also has some lived experiences. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, welcome. I really appreciate uh, you two coming in today. We have a lot to kind of talk about, uh, a lot of stuff with re-entry, and we kind of were discussing prior to that, you know, we're going to kind of try and scratch the surface, but also share a lot of stories and, and where we're at. So Cumberland County started a re-entry coalition. Can you talk a little bit about that, Ashley, and what it is and what it actually means? Ooh, so our re-entry coalition, um, it started probably about 2021, and I mean, really, we should probably talk about reentry. You know, what is that? Yeah. So to me, reentry is really the process that people go through, you know, from jail to the community. I mean, not everybody that goes to jail is there for life. You know, we come back out. So the process of coming back out, you know, into the community and what does that look like? What does that involve? Okay. So we're talking about people that are going into the prisons and the jails and obviously they're coming home coming back out of that system and, and re-entering into society, if you will, into the communities. And obviously it became kind of an important thing because I think uh, we've kind of talked about during these coalition things that um, people were kind of left to some failures and were recidivating back, going back into the prisons, and we kind of saw a need that we really need to start helping people get back into that process. Yeah, I think, and there is differences between county and state, and Reentry is not a one-size-fits-all, and that's really why reentry, I think, can be complicated. Some people come out with nothing. Some people come out with tons of support. So it's really hard to address the reentry needs of each individual person. Yeah, absolutely. And I know uh, with working in law enforcement, I started kind of getting these emails like, hey, would you be interested in being this reentry? And I was like, I don't, I don't even know what this coalition thing is, but I'd be interested to kind of get into it. And it kind of goes back to my days when I worked uh, probation pro. I was a juvenile probation officer prior to becoming a police officer. And I saw a need there where you have um, kids, and we used to refer to it as taking them from the street, but you can't take the street from the kid. And the problem was and what we saw in juvenile probation is we were taking these kids, putting them in placement, and they were doing really well. They were doing outstanding work in placement, but then they'd come home and they'd go back to the community, same friends, same atmosphere, and everything, and then they would start to fail again. And that's where we really saw a need within uh, juvenile probation at the time to you know, figure out what, what can we do to get them into the process to come back. And that's when we came up to an aftercare thing. Yep. So I kind of uh, really put this back and forth on the juvenile side to the adult side. This is kind of like an aftercare. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think aftercare and care is a great word. I mean, it's not a popular term sure. to use for people coming home from incarceration. But, you know, you need to. I mean, some people aren't prepared to come home. And you give a great example of someone that's stable more inside than outside. But the other side of the coin exists, too. You know, some people go into incarceration, and incarceration is, is not a pleasant experience. And some people need to heal from that experience coming out and need to kind of shut it off. And I'll often, from a state system anyway, where someone does years or decades in prison, is similar to returning from war. You know, you're in a very hostile situation, a hypervigilant situation, and a situation where you don't make decisions for yourself. And then you're just released and you said, you know, go out and be normal. And people say, well, what is my normal? So for me with the reentry, a lot of it is sometimes that mental transition from coming from incarceration back to society. 
and people want to do well. They just need some support to do it. Sure, and I think that brings a good uh, segue into kind of how the two of you got involved a little bit, right? Sure. You kind of talked about the state system, Kurt, and I'm going to defer to Ashley here and kind of go back to the county thing. You have a personal story, and we talked about lived experience. Can you kind of share a little bit about that? Of course. So, I mean, I think for me what makes my job so important to me is that uh, so it's, I'm nestled under adult probation. So adult probation kind of houses the county reentry program. And for me, you know, I am a reentrant. Um, I have four DUIs. I was lucky enough to be given the opportunity to get into treatment court. And, you know, that got me sober. I mean, a lot of my story for me is about recovery and sobriety. But four DUIs, you know, and they're all in Cumberland County. So, I mean, today I tell everybody, you know, I often speak at DUI school because I'm the poster child for DUIs. You know, my coworkers are people that used to watch me pee in a cup. I mean, they are my probation officers. They are the supervisors of my probation officers. So the people you're working with now are the people that were supervising you when you were coming out? Correct. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think that's what makes my job so amazing. I mean, it's not so much my story. Yeah, I mean, I have these charges. Yeah, I got sober. But, I mean, I really am an example. You know, I mean, for me, they get to come to work every day. They may not like it, but they see me, you know. And, I mean, for a lot of them, I am why they do what they do. You know, like, it does work if we work it. So there had to be some belief in there, obviously. Getting sober, um, you know, kind of fixing those, uh, those those issues with getting sober is one thing. But now they're bringing you in to help people get out and get back into society and, and be productive. Yes. And, I mean, that wasn't an easy transition. I mean, I'm not saying they were like, oh, yeah, cool, actually <laughs> bring her back. Right. I mean, ideally it took some time, you know. I mean, they wouldn't hire me. Um, I used to work at the county nursing home and – for DUIs in my addiction. I mean, I pretty much lived at the jail and then I got work release and I could just walk across the street and go to work. <laughs> so it was an easy setup for me, you know. I mean, I got fired under a do not return clause and the fact that I work for Cumberland County is amazing. You know, you had people that fought for me, you know, the deputy chief, the chief, and the courts, you know. I mean, I tell everybody, you know, human resources denied me, but the courts didn't, you know, they, uh, Judge Peck overrode uh, human resources wow. and hired me. So, I mean, wow. to me, yeah, I mean, Carrie Hauser fought for me, Darby Chrisley fought for me, you know, HR denied me and Judge Peck overruled them. Okay, so Judge Peck is one of the county judges and Correct. then you, you brought up the name Darby and Carrie Hauser and they're both with Cumberland County Probation yep. Parole. Yep. So that had to be building relationships. So there's got to be some on you though, right, to be able to kind of come back and show them that, that they can trust in you and and build this thing yeah I mean it took a little bit you know like hey I'm not gonna come steal your secrets and then sell them <laughs> on the black market so you know there was a little probationary period but yeah and I think for me what is important is basically I'm walking home one day and Carrie Hauser calls me and says hey we want to start a reentry program where you help me start it and I'm like who are you? What is this? <laughs> right. I mean, I knew, but it was almost this idea of, you know, I'm out there living my life and I'm just doing, you know, what they taught me to do. You know, I'm living a new life and somehow people are hearing about it. I right. mean, I didn't even know that she knew where I was, what I was doing. You know, I mean, to yeah. me, that was 
for me, that's what I sell people. You know, it really is. What are you doing when nobody's looking? Because somebody's always looking and it's not always negative. You know, I mean, right. people were watching or talking about me and I didn't even know it. Yeah. And now I got given this great opportunity. And, and obviously it wasn't just, you know, one time, unfortunately, right? Took a couple times. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so when you're dealing with uh, people that you are now on this reentry side, you can kind of talk to them about that, right? Like, you know, I've been there. I've had some of those failures. Absolutely. I mean, it's a joy. I love going to Cumberland County Prison and leaving. I mean, again, <laughs> that was where, for me, I had all my stays. You know, the COs, you know, the wardens. I mean, they know me today, and they knew me then. You know, like, they, I'm allowed to go in there, you know, and then they let me leave, and they let me talk to the inmates and tell them, Oh, yeah, I remember doing that. Oh, yeah, I remember that food. Oh, they still make you, oh, man, they still serve that? Like, you know, to me, like, there's something about that. You know, nothing will ever replace, you know, it's not experience. It's, it's my life, you know. Like, I'm not in there selling them some dream. Like, yeah, I, this I, really happens, yeah, you know. You're role modeling. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that was another thing that I wanted to say is that you are the same person. You didn't, you didn't like change lives right. other than you made decisions now that, you know what, I'm done with what I was doing in the past and I'm ready to do the future for me. Oh yeah. But now you're also doing it for others. Yep. Yeah. So what, what is your role then with probation parole as part of the reentry coordinator? So part of my job is really just helping anybody that's currently on active uh, Cumberland County probation and parole with anything they would need. You know, when they come out and they come and meet with their probation officers, some of them present with a lot of needs, some don't. And I think a lot of my job has been, which we didn't know it at first, you know, it was more about, okay, you're going to give all these people all these resources and do all this stuff, which we did pre-COVID. You know, we mm -hmm. ran groups at the jail. We brought in resources from the community into the jail. CareerLink brought in computers. It was the first time they allowed that. I mean, just things like that. But then it became the probation officers were learning about this stuff. Like, I tell her, you don't need me anymore because yeah. now, I mean, these people on staff know what's out there. And if they don't, they come to me and ask, you know, to them, they kind of realize there are options. You know, there are things out there that can really help these people. Wow. I, I think that's a huge thing because I know, again, coming back from the probation parole side of it, law enforcement size a lot of times we don't know what those resources mm -hmm. are and when we find out about it then all of a sudden it's like wait a minute can i get your business card so i can maybe hand it out or be able to put people in the right direction it allows them to for me i mean it allows them to just do their job better you know they can really just help people a lot more yeah absolutely yeah wonderful uh kurt obviously you have a story on your end too let's let's talk about kind of where you started and where things are now sure and uh my story goes back to 1996 so you know, you don't enter the state system without committing a serious crime. And in 1996, when I was 18 years old, I committed a crime that I regret to this day. Uh, I was convicted of third-degree murder, so I'm responsible for taking someone else's life, and that's something I live with every day. It's something I, no matter how much I want, I can't go back and change. And so I was sentenced to more years than I was alive. So I was sentenced to 22 and a half to 60 years at the age of 18. I felt my life was over. I went into the prison system totally lost, totally unprepared. Um, county jail is, is one beast, but the state prison, like, you leave your home, you leave everyone you know, and you're just dropped in this system. And 
you're literally given a number and that's what you are. And that very much does imprint on you that you feel you are just a number, you are a cog in a wheel. So I entered the system like that. I was very angry for about five years. And ironically, it really was the lifer population in prison. So in Pennsylvania, we do sentence certain individuals to life without parole. They have no hope of ever coming home, absent extraordinary relief from the governor. So there's about 5,000 men, women, and young people that are sentenced to life in Pennsylvania. So I was scared of that population. I thought they were going to be the ones that had more to lose than me. But they were the ones that really encouraged me and said, you're going to go home one day. You know what I mean? Like, you need to be ready for that. And they kept encouraging me to go to school. And so finally, I relented and I went to school. And it changed my life. As soon as I sat in a classroom in prison, stopped getting misconduct, started seeing hope for my future, started seeing skills in myself that I didn't recognize. You know, I entered prison, a ninth grade dropout, and I left prison with an associate's degree in business management, a diploma of paralegal. I took every program available to me. Wow. And, and that really did just change the way I looked at the world. And I knew, I mean, as my minimum came near me, um, I was, I had the opportunity for parole and it was scary. You know, I'd never been on the internet, never been on a cell phone. So I was entering a world I did not know. And I was never an adult before, right? So I went in mm -hmm. when I was 18, I never paid bills, never had my own apartment. So when I came home, I knew I needed help. And uh, really the kind of help I needed didn't exist. I couldn't find any like mentorship programs. I wanted someone that had been through what I had to kind of give me some advice. And there's a lot of caseworkers and social workers that really, they have their your best interest in mind, but they don't know what you're going through. So I did something, I guess I was so naive I did it. I incorporated a nonprofit organization while I was still incarcerated. And I created the organization that I wish was waiting for me when I came home. Wow. And um and I give credit to my college professor because he's the one that challenged me to do it, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so I came home. I was released in 2020 after 24 years of incarceration. Um, I did find a mentor when I came home. They didn't have lived experience, but it was a community member that kind of took me under his wing. And really, I mean, he helped me so much. And I had more support than some people coming out. I ended up having a home plan. Somebody gave me a car, which was huge, right? That's transportation. That's freedom. That's the ability to work. And so I... I you know, after I adjusted myself and kind of got my footing under me, we I started Tomorrow's Neighbors and I started doing the peer mentorship and helping other people come out. And initially that was just, you know, mentorship, talking to the guy, saying, hey, you know, welcome home, which is two great words that anybody <laughs> coming out wants to hear. And people don't always know what to say to people coming home, but welcome home is it. And um, so we, I think we started getting traction in the county. We started getting recognized that people saw a difference in the people that were getting this mentorship. Um and then I entered the reentry coalition in Cumberland County, which I was so impressed with. The local lawmaker, I went to her and said, you know, I want to help in reentry. And she said, well, we actually have a coalition. Why don't you join that? And um, I was especially impressed because there was law enforcement. There was people mm -hmm. from the prosecutor's office, the courts, probation, parole. You know, when I first walked in, I said, you know, why are all these people here caring about reentry? And like, what am I doing here? But they saw the value in having people that had been through the system and they listened to us. And when I heard... Ashley's story. I mean, that's remarkable <laughs> to be in a county where that happens, you know? Yeah. And um, so through the reentry coalition, we started identifying the biggest hurdles for people coming home and housing was one of them. So I had a dream of having a reentry house, you know, but a dream means nothing without, you know, financial backing. And so talking with people in the county that we needed this housing, an opportunity for a grant came up and very long story short, and mm -hmm. we were able to open a 13-bed reentry house in Carlisle. And, wow. you know, it's amazing. Like, some people were like, well, we don't want them in our neighborhood. And, mm -hmm. you know, I had to return, remind them that I'm not bringing them to the neighborhood. They're returning to your neighborhood. You know, the name right. of our organization is Tomorrow's Neighbors because today's prisoners are tomorrow's neighbors. 95% of everyone sentenced to prison is coming home one day. 
So it's not a question of whether you want them home. It's what's going to happen when they come home. And, you know, our model is very much a peer support model. We, uh, everyone that works for us is justice involved. These are individuals that have turned their life around and want to reach back in and help people come out. And I'll say one thing about state prison. You know, you spend years in prison and you tend to see parole violator after parole violator come in and you start to think it's impossible to succeed. So one of the things we really do is kind of role model that success is possible. And it happens every day. We just don't make the news for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, you bring up, uh, you know, obviously that personal story. There's a, there's a lot in there that you're yeah. bringing up. Um, some, of the, some of the things that, you know, I wanted to kind of touch upon is you said 95% are coming home. And I guess, you know, sometimes we think about, well, that's 95% that, that you know, when they go in, that they should stay in there for life. But mm-hmm. in reality, they're getting a sentence. Yep. And there's going to be an end date. And for 95% of the people that get sentenced to prison, they're coming home regardless of whether they see that end date, get paroled, anything like that. They're going to be leaving at yeah. one time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and sometimes we kind of miss that fact of it. And with this probation and parole, it's a way for people to come out a little bit earlier and um, with have supervision. Some, correct. Some, and that's what I was going to say, yeah. some supervision over top of them to make sure that they're not messing up. But with that supervision, they're not getting resources per se. It's, it's kind of on their own to... Traditionally, it was. And yeah. there is a huge transformation going on at the county, state, and federal level where mm-hmm. they're recognizing it's in society's interest to give support to these individuals. And I always say, I'm not a hug-a-thug guy. I'm really big in accountability and responsibility. You know, I don't believe everyone in prison should just be let, brought home and given a bunch of free stuff because that's not going to help them anyway. Mm-hmm. But I do believe we need to give them support. And we have to give someone an opportunity to earn their right to be back in society. And that's where this coalition's kind of stepping yeah. in and providing that, right? 100%. Um, because you said, you know, some years ago, it was pretty much you get out, good luck. Yeah. You know, hey, see you later, you know, find housing, that kind of stuff. And, you know, where I go back to on that juvenile side, we don't really want people maybe going back to the same places because then they're going to get involved with the same things. Yep. Um, right. So, uh, and, and, you know, where's kind of your heads as far as that goes when, you, when you're coming out? You know, did you know right away for both of you that, you know, you know, I can't be hanging out with the same kind of people? I knew that, but I'm going to tell you, you know, when you experience a unique experience in, in any aspect of life, you're naturally going to gravitate to people that can relate to that experience. And I think a lot of people that come home from incarceration, no matter how strong your support system is, your mom doesn't understand what you just encountered. Your wife doesn't understand what you just encountered. You barely understand what you just encountered. So you're going to gravitate toward people that do. And traditionally, that has meant, you know, as I'd say, going back in the street and finding people that could relate to that incarceration. So at least in in Tomorrow's Neighbors, what we try to do is create a relatability with individuals that have done time but are now rebuilding their lives. Mm -hmm. And they're in a more positive sphere. And so they can support you to get down that positive road. And that was two things that you both brought up that I want to kind of remind you of mentors. You had people in your lives that saw the positive things you were doing and related that. Yeah. And uh, Kurt, you had kind of mentioned that, you know, while inside, you were seeing people come back. You weren't seeing that positive outcome. It was always the negative. Well, yeah. And, and I actually sat down and I was scared to come home, right? So mm-hmm. I would ask parole violators, you know, why are you coming back? And you got to filter through, you know, the guy just saying, my PO's <laughs> an a-hole or whatever. <laughs> but it came down in the majority of the people that I talked to was two things. They felt either overwhelmed or alone. So, you know, those are two things we try to address. And again, we're not trying to coddle individuals, but nobody's going to do well alone. Like that just doesn't help anybody in this world. So, And for me, I mean, there's such a delusion, you know, when you are in, in a jail, like 
everything you're hearing is only what everybody else is saying and experiencing. I mean, you really have no sense of, for me, I call it reality. It's just delusional. So Mm -hmm. it's not just seeing people coming back, but it's hearing them talk about these opportunities that, you know, their belief, it's not an opportunity like treatment court, right? Oh, it's a setup. You know, if you fail, then you got to go upstate. (laughs) Well, who are they setting up? You know, so for me, a lot of it became when I went back in and I started talking to people in there, you know, what is the truth? You know, what is the reality of the situation? You know, when we do get out, what do I need? What do you need? Tell me what you need, you know, because you came in with no job, you were on somebody's couch and you were addicted to meth, but you're telling me you have a plan when you get out. What is that plan? And it's not, I mean, that to me is, they believe it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. You yeah. know, like, it's really like, yeah, I'm going to get out and I'm going to go to this job and I'm going to go live here with this boyfriend and I'm going to go do this. And they believe it and then they get out and it doesn't work out that way. Or they're going to white knuckle it, right? I'm just going to yes, you know, hold on. And I, I would say, though, you are that hope. You are that, that change for you to walk in that prison. Like, I imagine somebody going nobody's going to take a chance on me. And here walks Ashley. And they're like, <laughs> who's this lady that thinks she knows? And people are like, no, she was in here. Right. Like she was in the cell you're in right now. And like, that could be you in a few years. The power in that is phenomenal. Well, I, I'm in, in, you know, I, we had talked prior to, uh, I got involved with the coalition and, and Ashley was involved and I had known Kurt. We had met through uh, some other training before. So I knew, knew your story. Yeah. And there was a panel that was down at the church in Carlisle and all of a sudden, Ashley's up there. She tells me this story about her. And I'm going, what? <laughs> like, I, I was just amazed and, and so impressed and, like you said, powerful. Man, what is it, what the, the power in that when you're going in um, to somebody that's in prison that knows they're coming out and knows they're coming home, and you say to them, I mean, I could say to them, well, you can do it, you can do it. But for somebody to say, I've done it, yep. is huge, you know, and, and knowing um, what, what they're going to go through, mm-hmm. what they're, you know, you said you were scared, Kurt. Yeah. You know, knowing that that fear is going to be there and being able to say, hey, listen, I've been through that. And, and here's some of the things that you can do to counteract that. And knowing you care enough to return, Ashley, because a lot of people leave incarceration and say, I want to put that behind me. I just want to go on. It, it takes a stronger, crazy person <laughs> to want to go back <laughs> into a jail after you've left the jail and, and be able to help others come out of that situation. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I so appreciate your peer mentoring because every time we talk about this, you know, like our reentry program, mentoring was a part of it. It is a part of it. And we found, you know, the only volunteers that we could get were basically, you know, church volunteers you know like it was a certain population of people that were willing to come out and work with re-entrance in the jail but they weren't re-entrance mm-hmm. you know for me like that's another huge piece of this like it's hard to get people why would i, I get that all the time why would I want to go back in there? <laughs> well, like you said earlier, Ashley, while we were talking before this, because you get to walk back exactly. out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know when I go in that, you know, when that door closes behind me, I'm like, I know I'm only going to be in here for minutes. So. And that's traumatic. I mean, I'm yeah. sure for you, Ashley, I've yes. gone back in prison. It, it is an emotional journey to, to return there. And Yeah. So I, I've heard a couple of things that both of you have said, too, about, you know, the fear, the trauma and stuff. And, and. I guess I want to kind of get this stigma idea that's out there that, you know, well, they're getting three hots in a cot. They got cable TV. There's all these things that, that uh, prisoners are getting. But in reality, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. And and if that is a, a, a good comparison to someone's normal life, how terrible of a life do they have that that is acceptable? But mm-hmm. I can tell you that I've never met one person 
that was getting ready to leave prison and he was like, nah, I'd rather stay. Now, <laughs> yeah. and, and movies project that. They say we're institutionalized. Yeah. Being scared to leave and wanting to stay are two different things. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So let's talk about it. I think it's a good segue. We're at, why is this reentry important? Why is it Why is it important for somebody to get involved with it and why, you know, in the county and what, you know, we'll kind of go down the path of what maybe we can do in the future. But why, why is this so important? They're coming home. I mean, and for me, I just think of that example. Like, if somebody goes in, you know, already living a life that's not, you know, very conducive to anything hopeful or peaceful or, you know, just in general. I mean, to me, like, people just want people to live good lives, you know. And if somebody came in, you know, under, you know, the use of drugs and they are sleeping on couches and, they don't have a job, you know, and then they come to jail and now they, you know, they get sober. Like, to me, it's just about the opportunity. I mean, everything about reentry for me is opportunity. They shouldn't have, why would we want to just open the door and say, okay, now don't go back to that house where you were sleeping on that couch because they all do drugs and that's a bad environment. Don't go there. Good luck. Where where am I going to go? I mean, Mm -hmm. to me, like, we just want better. I mean, for me, I just think as a human race and definitely Cumberland County, you know, we want better for our people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I believe there are definitely social interests. You know, we want people to do well. We love our neighbors, right? Um, recidivism, I've heard, you know, critics say, I don't care if they go back to jail. But there's two reasons to care if they go back to jail. One is to go back to jail, sometimes you need a victim. And we want safer communities. Mm-hmm. I would argue that any reentry organization is a community organization because it's creating safer communities. The other thing is cost. If you have no sympathy for people in jail, understand you're paying $60,000 a year to incarcerate that individual. And when they go back on a six-month parole violation, you're paying $30,000 a year. So even if you don't have those heartstrings for this population, you have to understand that financially it doesn't make sense. And Mm -hmm. presently, 64% of everyone released in Pennsylvania within three years returns to prison. Now, the good news is not 64% of people aren't committing new crimes. Most of them are for parole violations. Mm-hmm. But it is costing you money to do that. So, uh, And reentry is relatively cheap compared to incarceration. Mm-hmm. If we give people support coming home, they have a greater chance of building a platform that they can propel the rest of their lives. And when someone goes to jail, they're leaving children behind. They're leaving spouses behind. There's mm-hmm. greater cost than just that incarceration rate. So I, I think there's multiple reasons to care about this and very few reasons to think this doesn't impact you because it impacts everybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You bring up, again, two two good points, and I kind of keep going back. And um, one thing is the dollar amount, right? Everything costs money. Yeah. And um, if we're not paying for it one way, we're paying for it another. And mm-hmm. incarceration is way more expensive than just providing people hope and help, right? It would be cheaper to buy an apartment for everybody leaving prison than to return them to prison. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's... A and good I'm not proposing that yeah, we do yeah, that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not. We don't have the, enough no. housing for that kind of stuff. But, you know, certainly even with, with the, the cost of everything going up, yeah. it's going up in the prisons too. And, and the cost to, to house people, unfortunately, is just it's, it's astronomical. And it kind of makes sense to kind of start to help that out a little bit and a little bit less. Um, you bring up a really good thing is anybody going back, if they're committing new crimes, you know, there's a victim. And one of the things in the law enforcement that really frustrates me is when we, I hear the victimless crimes. Well, these are victimless crimes. Yeah. You know, I... I don't believe that at all. I mean, you know, there's whether it's a, a person that you can point to, a property that obviously somebody owns mm-hmm. that or something, but you know, even when it's drug related and that kind of stuff, there's there's victims out there that are seeing that, whether it be their family members, but at the end of the day it's them. Yeah. Right? You know, they're oh, making yeah. these choices, but we gotta we gotta try and fix them because I still have yet to meet anybody in my twenty two years that said, you know what, I love being an addict. 
And yeah. you had said, kind of, you know, I, I want to stay here. You know, I had an opportunity recently to go down to Kensington and, and, and tour there oh. with an inspector. Man, what sadness that's down yeah. there. And I just think to myself, you know, not one person chose to be there, but we can't certainly, um, you know, discount the choices that they made prior to, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, but eventually, wh wh where, where does it all go? Where does it all go? And I think that uh, Cumberland County is really starting to champion that, really starting to realize, you know, we've got a problem. We've got a, uh, an epidemic when it came to the opioid stuff. We've got an epidemic, and with you mentioned COVID, Ashley. Mm -hmm. You know, people came out at that point in time, and we couldn't just say, "Good luck," right? People and, had to go somewhere. And our prison yeah. systems are fed by overridingly two things: addiction and mental health. Right? Mm -hmm. We have twenty-four prisons, three mental hospitals. It used to be reversed, and then we closed our mental hospitals. So, you know, and secretaries of the Department of Corrections have said we are not prepared to be mental health facilities, but they have become mental health facilities, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and. One other myth I just want to, you know, dispel is people, I think, imagine people in prison, you know, you watch movies, I didn't do it. I don't care about my victim. <laughs> Most people in prison understand that their decisions have impacted their community in a negative way. And I've sat in groups with individuals talking about how addiction impacts our community and, and how they want to stop that, how they want their children to live in a better life. So I just want to defeat, you know, like most of the people in jail are not sitting there saying they didn't do their crime. They're very remorseful. They want different lives. They just need help to get there. Yeah. We got a lot of stigmas when it comes to what's yeah. going on inside as opposed to what's really going on. So what, Ashley, what's Cumberland County doing? What, what are we doing with this coalition? What's, what's happening with it? Kind of give a little brief history. and. Oh, so again, I kind of started. So we started in 2021, I think. You know, we really, for me, just got, I mean, it's all about the community. You know, like we got... A grant you know that helped us you know get a strategic planner basically somebody that had gone through the process to create coalitions she came and just kind of helped us you know asked us the right questions we built a strategic plan and by we the community right like all areas the courts law enforcement mental health drug and alcohol the faith community just individuals, re-entrance themselves. Um, it really is, for me, a meeting place for all of us to come together. Uh, we meet the first Wednesday of every month, Zoom and in person, to just talk about, you know, what is happening and, you know, what are the barriers? At least that's where we started, you know? I mean, we are fairly new. Mm -hmm. So it has started with really figuring out, you know, what's happening in our community. Like, who is in the jails? Who is coming out? What are their needs? What are the barriers that we have in Cumberland County, you know, to those needs? So for me, so far, it's been a lot of just, you know, figuring out where we are, like baseline, like what's happening, because we know we have a problem, <laughs> but, you know, to really, what what is it, you know, like? Yeah, so, so some of this is kind of feeling it out and figuring it out mm -hmm. on, on your own for the county. Um, how many counties maybe involved, you can kind of speak to that maybe off the top of your head, is to how many other counties have um, reentry? Well, one thing to point out is, you know, this wasn't a kumbaya moment in Cumberland County. The reentry coalitions that exist in Pennsylvania, and mm -hmm. they are in half of the counties in Pennsylvania half, okay. right now. So we have 60-something counties. There's yeah. like at least 30 now. And this comes under an umbrella from the Attorney General's office in Pennsylvania. Okay. So this wasn't like you know, community organizations that right. feel sympathy toward reentrance and wanted to do this just to like give them a break. This was the Attorney General's Office of Pennsylvania that recognized reentry is a tool we can use to limit crime in Pennsylvania. So, but, but it's remarkable that half of the counties in Pennsylvania have 
join this so far. And we've made a lot of progress. We've met with landlords explaining why they should rent to people coming out of incarceration, uh, to employers of why reentrants make great employees. And they do make great employees. They show (laughs) up to work. They're appreciative. They will do overtime. And they are anxious to rebuild their lives. So, I I mean, the reentry coalition, and they're just bringing people to the table that haven't sat at a table together. I mean, we're sitting here with two reentrants in law enforcement. Sure, yeah. Five years ago, this wasn't happening. No, you know? no. And and you mentioned the, the religious community, and I cannot go any further without giving them a shout-out. Yep. They did reentry for years before reentry was a, a, a term. When you were in prison or in jail, it was the religious community that would mm-hmm. come in and visit you. It was the religious community that would come in and do church services that would treat you humanely and remind you that society still cares about you. We just want you to come out and make better decisions. So. I think reentry just, I tell everybody, reentry is just the thing right now. It's always yeah. <laughs> been a thing, but it's the thing right, da- right now. Everybody's helping the same people. I think that was kind of like what got people so involved was to really say, you know, like, we are all coming in contact with the same people. You know, like, my services are also being used by these people over here, and then you're going over there and using those services. And we found that, oh, yeah, it just so happened that they all had criminal records or Mm -hmm. the barriers that we were finding at each stage, you know, ended up being, you know, something that had to do with, oh, because you are a reentrant. So, I mean, I think just bringing that to light, you know, I mean, people have clients, but for us, like we want to know and we want to talk about, you know, things that are specifically affecting reentrants, you know, Mm -hmm. people that have been to jail even for, you know, five minutes, and then you get released, you know, COVID, in and out, right? You're still re-entrant. That is an experience that not everybody has. Surprisingly, and I, it's a joke for me, you know, I get, not everybody gets arrested. Everybody (laughs) I hang out with does, you (laughs) know? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. well, you know, they they talk about that, and I can speak on the law enforcement side, the DUI side, you know, they talk about people who drive hundreds of times prior to getting arrested that one time, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, again, we bring out in, in, with Cumberland County, obviously you know, kind of on the forefront. You're saying about half yep. the county, so Cumberland County is on the forefront there. We're a little unique here in Cumberland County, too. We've got the, the county jail where obviously we've got people coming out. And then we have the state prison in, referred to as Camp Hill, yep. Institution Camp Hill, that's also bringing people out. So we're seeing county and state, state. people mm-hmm. being paroled into our area. Yeah, and they are returning here. You know, we, we've had people that accuse tomorrow's neighbors of bringing people here, and I, I remind them that, you know, they're already in your community. Yeah. And uh, it's, we just have to support them. That's yeah. It. Well, and, and Kurt, you brought up the jobs. I mean, let's, you know, yeah. let's not face it, Cumberland County's growing, but with it growing, there's also lots of jobs. and lots One of, of the biggest problems is employers can't keep employees. Right. Once they start hiring reentrants, they literally call us back and say, do you have any more? Because they will mm-hmm. show up to work, you know, so... Housing is still an issue. We're always looking for landlords that are second chance friendly because it is hard to come home from incarceration. You have no rental history. You have no credit. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for anyone to find rentals right now, yeah. let alone a reentrance. So. Yeah. And I, you know, I just know on the law enforcement side, again, that um, you know, with landlords, I tell them, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be a landlord because unfortunately mm-hmm. just the, you know, it, it's tough. It's a tough business out there, you know, trying to keep these houses up with everything going up and then, you know, looking for somebody to, uh, rent to, you know, and, and find out and have that trust as a landlord that you're going to get back what you're, you're opening up to. Um, with that in mind, I guess with the Cumberland County Reentry, you have a couple different um, programs or kind of committees that you kind of run within there. 
Yeah, so we have we, the way our coalition functions is we kind of have an executive committee, and that's made up of pretty much the chairs of the subcommittees. I mean, we have a chair and a co chair, secretary, treasurer, but we have subcommittees. So we have uh, resources, education, data. I want to say there's another one, but maybe four. I want to say reentry, but that's just because we have reentrants on the executive mm -hmm. uh, committee. So they have actual positions. I mean, yeah. we have two reentrants on the committee. So pretty much everybody within the coalition then kind of gets broken down into the subcommittees and kind of assists with those yep. things as well. It's it's a volunteer driven membership. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and the data like the education committee is responsible. You would think education we're educating reentrants, but no, we're <laughs> we're educating the public Correct. about yeah, reentry. Right. And the data is important because we need to know what we're doing works. Mm -hmm. Like none of this makes sense if it's not reducing recidivism. If it's not, and recidivism is a great uh, litmus test to see if this is success. Sure. But recidivism alone can't be measured because there's a lot of people that don't go back to jail and struggle. Right. And then there's people that go back to jail and they were thriving and we want to figure out why, what's going on. Mm -hmm. So we're really trying to redefine what successful reentry is and, and kind of a, one of the greatest things we did as a reentry coalition is we sat there and we started putting our heads together. How can we help the inmate population in the county jail? And then it dawned on us, well, why don't we ask them? <laughs> right. You know, because that's what yeah. we've done for years. We've come up with these policies and we go, this should work for them. But nobody says, hey, will this work for you? And we got some great ideas from the, the, the county jail inmate population that said, no, this is what would help me succeed. This is what would have stopped me from coming back last time. Mm -hmm. And they're not major things. Sometimes it's something very small. It's very simplistic. Yeah. I mean, like a paper and pencil, you know, survey, uh, Cumberland County allowed me to go in there and go to every block and pretty much explain to them, hey, we have this reentry coalition and we're out here trying to figure out, you know, what you guys need and we need your help like we need your yeah. to tell us what we need to do for you so we asked them you know i mean to me that was a big deal i mean we've had other county i've had other counties reach out to me and you know ask about that survey and you know how do we do it what do we ask you know just as a template and that's something that we're definitely going to revisit you know i mean by looking at it we kind of saw just the needs of the people that were in there but now as a community like are we meeting those needs like yeah, do, are, do, yeah. do are we do we have the resources then right Which yes brings that other side of on the resource side of it so we're not talking about just resources like money we're talking about resources you know um drug and alcohol but also transportation i, uh, I, I housing. love the, the transportation we have a church right now that has organized a list of volunteers because one of the most important things when you're released is that first moment you're released and some people are released from the county jail and they don't have a ride home. They don't have anywhere to go, let alone a ride home. Mm -hmm. right. So to have a community member say, we'll give you a ride, where do you need to go? What that says to that person, first of all, they're surprised. They're like, what mm -hmm. do you mean you're just going to give me a ride? And then to have someone positive in that car ride, to give them an encouraging word when they bring them to wherever they're going. I mean, that is remarkable. And that's community-based. There's no taxpayer money being spent on this. This was just a church that got together and everybody volunteered. Yeah, that yeah. literally came to the coalition, heard there was a transportation need, and really from the jail because the cat bus, you know, I mean, we have a lot of warehouses you know in cumberland county allen road is a big one and the cat bus doesn't have a bus route that goes mm -hmm. there especially from the jail from carlisle from you know where a lot of our people come from so you know even people on work release you know i mean how do you even get to this job that now you're so excited yeah. to have you know right no bus route community i mean we literally just had a church we had people that just said hey we 
want to help you know we'll pick people up we'll take them to work do they have appointments i mean do they yeah. have to get you know to a doctor's we'll help them do that i mean yeah and, and i think what was amazing in that because you know i was there with with some of those those meetings was that we had people that were willing to do it but no way to get the word out yeah. and with this what it really did was like okay well now we're going to take what you're saying and we'll push it out and get it communicated and now look where we're at you know ashley success. sends emails and they reach everybody <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I the IT in Cumberland County with just Ashley's yeah. email box alone, like just hits. I think all over the entire world, much less uh, Cumberland County. I truly believe in knowledge and information because I don't really care who it goes to because that's been right. my experience. People have somehow read my emails and have said, "I have no idea why I got this. I'm not involved in this, but it just so happens that my brother." or my sister, or my daughter, or my, you know, somebody I know is struggling with this stuff, and I've been wanting to get involved for so long, and I didn't know how. What do you need me to do? Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's so impactful. So, answer the question, how? How do we get involved with this kind of stuff now? How many people do we have involved in the coalition off the top of your head? Do you know about maybe the number in Cumberland County? I don't know. I mean, my email list is huge. I okay. mean, I I stopped keeping track. I shouldn't tell people <laughs> that, but I have just because, you know, it is word of mouth, a lot of it. And it sounds so like I, I say lame or redundant. Hey, just give me your email. But to me, I mean, that's the start, you mm -hmm. know, let me get you connected to a when we have our coalition meetings, you know, mm -hmm. come see what we do on a monthly basis. See if you want to get involved and then take a hold of the resources and offer resources you know a lot of it became people were hearing about what's happening you know we're sharing what all these organizations are doing flyers any events anything that's happening i tell people to let me know so i can send it out and then having people then see that and now they're starting to do kind of their own initiatives you know i mean to mm -hmm. me it really has been just one thing growing upon another thing and it yeah. started with just a couple emails to a couple people okay. yeah well and, and again i remember getting the email and i wasn't sure what it was and i thought well i'll go to the first meeting i was like wow this is this is powerful um you know i firmly believe and i wish that we had more law enforcement involved with it and you say to yourself well why, why does law enforcement want to get involved with reentry? well i mean at the end of the day, yeah, I want to keep a job, but this is my community. And mm -hmm. one out of 10 individuals that law enforcement comes in contact with is a reentrant. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is an issue that directly impacts law enforcement. I participate in trainings, and I know me and yeah. you have been in some, and I try to work on bridging that gap, letting law enforcement know how to interact with reentrants and vice versa. Reentrants, you know, you came to an event one time and I had two reentrants with us and, and you came in full <laughs> uniform. And I remember the two guys were setting up a table and they both dropped the table and just looked. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, he's a good guy. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. One, one guy said, Hey, I'm just going to step out real quick. And I, I didn't realize, you know, that that was going to be something there, yeah. but again, a learning experience on mm -hmm. you know, my end of it and and how impactful that you know had on me personally and on them the power of that to go wait a minute this is a guy supporting a reentry event you know and it, it may start with like on both sides law enforcement going well maybe they're not all bad mm -hmm. and then going well there's some good ones and then going well everyone's an individual you yeah. know yeah so. yeah it's just such a good thing all the way around um so the meetings themselves you say every month every uh, month on zoom or in person yep first wednesday of the month and we're kind of you know flying by the seat of our pants with our locations because ideally <laughs> 
we want to hold our in-person meetings, you know, in a resource in the community, which we did. I mean, for the whole last year, I mean, every month we were at a different location, you know, mm-hmm. career links, Sadler, uh, drug and alcohol providers, you know, like each month we went to a resource. That's still kind of the focus, you know, I mean, we want people because who knows when you're going to pop into this coalition reentry thing. You know, we may be working and doing this for two, three years, but somebody might just roll into a meeting for the first time. Yeah. I want it to be just like, you know, back then, like this is a resource here. Yeah. Let's show you around. I don't ever want to take for granted. Like everybody knows what career link is. Oh, everybody knows what sad <laughs> do they, Yeah. you know, I mean, and to me, it's about bringing those providers and those agencies to light Right. And hearing what they need, you know, it's not about just us. It's about them, too. You know, they are yeah. the ones on the ground. They are the ones seeing us, talking to us when we do first get out. You know, what do they see that mm-hmm. we need that maybe as reentrants, you know, we're scared. We don't want to tell people, you know, mm-hmm. like it's about really to me, it's about the voices, you know, the people on the ground that are really doing the work. Yeah. And, and each meeting offers that somebody to be yeah. the voice kind of like hey this is what we're doing um they, you kind of have like a quote-unquote guest each time like hey this is what we're doing this is resources we have yep. so that people can kind of know not only within the coalition but then when they're coming to that actual place and they can kind of get a tour of it and, and learn as well yep definitely and then a lot of stuff going on in the back end you said the strategic plans um obviously the subcommittees the education committee going out and educating you said landlords, landlords and, employers. Yeah, um, I forget. There's something where we were just reach uh, the media. Media. There was recently okay. an article where somebody was just named a felon. That's how the article named the person, just a felon. Mm. And you know, I, I took position with that. I said, I'm sure that. And it turns out the guy was more than a felon. He was a college graduate. And there was a bunch of other stuff they could have used. And and I don't, I don't mean that to vilna, vilify the the media, but sometimes you need to educate them and say. Mm-hmm you know, what kind of bias does that put on that individual from the door, you know, and it kind of keeps these myths going that these are just bad people. And, you know, you can do a bad thing without being a bad person. Right. And and I think that that really brings home a good message, Curtin. And um, that message is, is obviously, as much as we want to vilify kind of everything, there's a lot of good people out there, men and women doing some good things that just need that opportunity that hope that that uh, ability that resource something and I think about that not only law enforcement I think about that within the jails themselves I mean you know I'll tell you I would hey I'm a police officer I would not be want to be in in the walls there trying to do what they're doing and uh, still a lot of good people within there a lot of great people within probation and parole and then we've got you two right a lot of people that are out there that went given a chance and an opportunity are are taken off with it and I think it's important to have that conversation because Law enforcement, probation, parole, corrections, they have that opportunity. And I know in my life, there's been correctional officers that stepped up. There was a correctional officer in my county jail that gave me the best advice how to survive prison. He said, don't borrow, don't gamble, and mind your own business. Those <laughs> words serve me well in, in the in the prison system. And, and I've literally reached out to him since I've been home and thanked him for that. Wow. So, I mean, there's things cops can do and say, hey, man, you know, you're probably going to go in. But, you know, keep your head up. Just something encouraging that can stick with that person. And there are great people in our system. Our system's changing. The state correctional system is implementing so much for reentry. They're recognizing mm-hmm. that this is worth the investment, and it works. So yeah. I, I definitely give credit to the system. We have a long way to go, but we're getting there. Sure. We're, we're Addiction doing- and mental health, mental illness is just such a, a demon, you yeah. know, for me especially. I mean, because that's what I relate to, you know. And, I mean, it, I would never excuse my behavior for my addiction because that's not real, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, 
in my addiction, I am putting people at risk. You know, I am. I'm, so for me, a lot of it is about the education and the understanding of, you know, we have a lot of people that are suffering. You know, we want to call them felons. We want to call mm-hmm. them criminals because they are doing illegal behaviors. But they're suffering, you know. I mean, mental illness and addiction is just such an evil animal. And I think to have a different view on that, because we need money and we need resources, right? I mean, we have no money or resources in Cumberland County for anything mental health. I mean, people go to jail and everybody out here thinks, oh, now they'll get all the help they Mm -hmm. need. From who? I mean, it takes two years to get a psych appointment out here. Mm-hmm. How do you want them to get one from inside the walls? Yeah, I appreciate you touching upon that because that's actually going to be a podcast in the future. So stay tuned okay. on that one. We're going to hit that mental health because uh, yeah. you, you bring up such a big thing, you know, mental health addiction. And, and right now we're in the fight is, to you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg, right. you know, and, and there's a fight back and forth. Um, but I think, you know, the other side of this is that at no point in time did you say we need to close the jails and, and let no. everybody out, right? We, we still need to have responsibility. We oh, still need yeah. to hold people accountable for the decisions they're making. But when, when they're done serving that time, we need to open our, our you know, our eyes, our ears, and, yeah. our, and our hearts to kind of look into how can we help you transition back. And I'll always emphasize, I have brothers that are still in prison that if I was on the parole board, I'd say, I love you, brother, but you're not ready, right? Because mm-hmm. not everybody's ready. And mm-hmm. But to Ashley's point, if prisons cured addiction and mental health, <laughs> we would be a healthy society. Yeah, we have right. two and a half million Americans in prison at any yeah. given time. So we would have a much healthier society. Yeah. Incarceration makes both those things worse. And if we don't believe addiction is still going on in our system, we really need to educate the public. So <laughs> Take those jaded glasses off. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess we get to the point now. What's the future? Where, where are we at? What are we driving towards? And you, know, you think in Cumberland County, what, what do you see down the line for where we're at? I mean, at least for us with the coalition, I mean, we are grateful that everybody is just always wanting to do something, you know, so like us ever lacking or slacking and not showing up just isn't an option. So, I mean, to me going forward, you know, like always new projects. I mean, and I I can't really speak for the coalition. I mean, I just know for let's say adult probation, you know, just all these people, like all these organizations like drug and alcohol, like all of us in our organizations you know have just seen the benefit of this coalition and coming together and wanting to do things for people together that it's just creating i mean evidence-based practices you know Mm -hmm. i mean there's all this stuff that we could talk about that does go on on the back end but to me it's we're gonna do it you know i mean we have a coalition of people that are gonna keep others accountable you know now that the problem's out there and the solutions are you know being talked about to me it's going to be about accountability you know i mean it's not just about movement you know we're not just making moves like are we being effective mm-hmm. like are we actually like helping people you know i mean research says to target people that are high risk with most needs are we doing are we that, doing that? Yeah. yeah yeah that's a great question I think we're building a safer community. I think Cumberland County is safer because the coalition and not just the coalition, but the collaboration going on sure. behind it from law enforcement, probation, parole, reentrance, everybody, mental health, addiction. But I think we're also shining as a light for other counties to go, not just, oh, maybe we need a coalition, but there's some counties with coalitions that are looking at us and going, but we need to do it that way. I mean, yeah. just today I was on a call with Lancaster. I was on the phone with a, a homeless shelter that wants to, because if you spend one day in jail, not 24 years, just one day in jail, you're 10 times more likely to be homeless. Mm-hmm. Just that experience. So 
we, we really do see the ripple effects. And if we can address this, we can limit homelessness, we can limit more addiction. So I yeah. think it's just safer communities. This this coalition certainly, you know, in, in my times, again, and I can only speak to my experience in 22 years, is, is one of the few that has brought people from so many different areas, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, faith-based, and you had said judges, oh, parole, yeah. probation, um, you know, career side of things, resources, landlords. I mean, just the amount of people that are Healthcare, involved. Healthcare, education, yeah. yep. Restoring yeah, families, that's one thing yeah. I think gets overlooked in reentry. Incarceration divides families. Mm -hmm. And if you're a child of someone that's incarcerated, you're a good person, right? But you're 75% more likely to go to jail one day be just because of that fact. So restoring families improves the next generation. And, and we're going to stop generational poverty. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. rich people don't go to prison very often. Let me say that again. You know, poor people end up in prison. So if we get somebody to come out of prison and, and get gainful employment and make a better life for their child, that is great for every community. Yeah. Spectacular. I really appreciate you uh, two coming in today. We, you know, great conversation. Ashley, how can people get a hold of you? Well, you can call me. I don't know if I want to put that out there because um, I am out and about a lot. But yeah. I, I really tell people to shoot me an email because I have the list and it's an easy like in for the actual invitation to come to the coalition. Okay. So uh, my name is Ashley Rom Ferguson. My email is arferguson, F-E-R-G-U-S-O-N, at cumberlandcountypa.gov reach out, shoot me anything. I mean, even to just say, hey, like I heard, and even a re-entrant, you know, that's why I love Kurt. Like, you know, to have other people, other re-entrants, you know, that, hello, I'm not a man and I've never been upstate. Hey, I know a guy. Hey, buddy. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. to me, that is what the coalition Powerful. is about, yeah. too. It's about us as re-entrants coming together and really supporting and helping each other too. Yeah. And for you guys to see that, you know, yeah. for the courts and everybody to, you know, like, I want to help other people. Yeah, I did my time. I got out of jail. But now I want to help other people do that, too. And I think maybe it is up to us to kind of cultivate that among other reentrants, you Absolutely. know. How, it's not even about the stigma. I mean, I have stigma, and I deserve it, you know. Like, I'm not a nice, kind person whenever I have alcohol in my system, right? Mm -hmm. 20 years of that, I have some bad blood, you know. If I owe you an amends, call me, please. <laughs> I mean, truly, you know, like... It, it, I can't worry about the stigma because that's going to stop me from showing up to places yeah. that, you know, are scary like yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I embrace the stigma, right? I share oh, my yeah. story openly. Yeah. And I think we can't argue we need reentry if we're not showing reentry works. And I think, Ashley, you're showing reentry yeah. works. I hope I'm showing yeah. reentry works. I hope Absolutely. the men that we serve are proving reentry works. So yeah. I think yeah. that's important. And we owe that to society. We, yes. we don't come home and say, hey, I'm even with the state. Give me the, all the chances in the world. I came home, said I, I broke the rules in society. I have to earn my way back to that trust. So. Yeah. Uh, great point. Great point. Kurt, how pe can people get a hold of you and what you're doing out there? Uh, well, they can visit our website. So it's www.tomorrowsneighbors.org. Um, you can email me directly. It's kurtdanish at gmail.com. So it's K-U-R-T-D-A-N-Y-S-H. Uh, I will not put my phone number here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, but, but awesome. Anybody that needs any services, reach out. And even if it's just referrals or just support. Yeah, yeah. just support some peer stuff. That's great for somebody to be able to go to some uh, Let me so. add one more thing. I'm sorry, sure. but no, reentry support is not just limited to the reentrant. Reentrant support teams, their mm -hmm. parents, their mm -hmm. loved one, their children, they need support as well. So anyone in that situation can reach out to us as well. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And the coalition themselves has website for Cumberland County. 
Um, I know you can go on there and, and go to the Cumberland County uh, area and, and look and click in through there to get involved with the Rio uh, Rio oh, geez Reentry Coalition uh, website. And we have some things coming up in the future. We have uh, um, some conferences, some education stuff that's going on that you can kind of speak to. I know they're talking about doing a um, an event where they can kind of experience some of that stuff. Oh, the reentry re simulation. simulation. Yeah, simulation, yeah. Phenomenal program. I, I actually thought it was going to be a joke. I was like, oh, you're going to, how are you going to simulate reentry? And I went and did one. Okay. It was triggering. Yeah. Right? And, and there's a thing called post-incarceration syndrome. It's like PTSD. You come home. And I went to this and I was right back into my initial reentry. So these are great simulations that are intended for the public to get a glimpse what it feels like to be a reentrant. Service providers the same way, probation, parole, law enforcement's always welcome. Um, I always like to challenge the guy. It's like, yeah, reentry's not tough. And then they go in it and they're like, I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the simulator's uh, going to be coming and we're going to bring that and we'll get some more information out with some dates and times uh, for that as well. And uh, again, I just want to say I appreciate uh, you two being here. You're doing some powerful work. Um, and you're really you're giving some hope to some people out there. And you know I like to think in law enforcement, you're probably touching lives, but you're also saving lives. So I appreciate that from both of you, uh, personally and professionally. And uh, I'm glad to have met you and get involved in this coalition work. And anybody can reach out here for the podcast 404pdpodcast at gmail.com. And I would uh, urge you to kind of look into this reentry thing. And if you think you can give us some resources or some opinions or anything in regards to that. Don't hesitate to reach out and uh, get in touch with us, and we'll put you in the right direction. Thanks, folks. I appreciate it. Uh, safe times, and hopefully the weather starts to look up here pretty good again. So. I'm, I'm looking forward to March and, yeah. and spring. So Thank you, thank you so for this much. Yeah, the opportunity. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Thank you. Till next time, everyone.